Sonic Masters from the Vault Transform and the Problem with Modern. Xenathar's Guide, new RPGs, and holiday figures as RPG characters. And not to mention, Jengus unloads his PAX Unplugged experience. All this and more on this episode of YSNPG. Welcome to episode 22 of You Shall Not Pass Go. We're your hosts, Dave and Jengus, and we are hosted on GeekAid.com. What's your geek? Uh, Iconic Masters came out, and we had a draft, and that we did. I it was interesting. I mean, a, it was a you, it was a classic draft. Yeah, um, three packs. You pass, know, pass them uh, around. left, right, left. I think mm-hmm. we went. Mm-hmm. Um, I was hoping, you know, for that for that mono drain, the the goif of this master set. <laughs> um, but I uh, that money. I did. So let's talk about some strategies here. What was what was your draft strategy um, for the uh, for the big draft we had? We had what do we have? Seven people, I think. I believe seven was the number because we had an odd number and someone needed to have a buy. Yeah. Right. 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 Okay. So what was your your so going in? I was like, you know, your standard draft mentality: Mm -hmm. flyers, bombs, you know, aggro, obviously, and some removal. Uh, so, uh, from my first pack, uh, I believe my first pack had a dual land in it, or mm-hmm. it was either the second one around, some second time around, I got a dual land, uh, and it was the rare dual land, um, that was the, the black red. Grave uh, Cairns. Yes. Graven Cairns. Um, and I was like, you know what? Black red, that makes sense. Uh, and I know there was a couple black flyers, uh, and I know red, red had, uh, unleash, mm-hmm. which could lead to some aggro. So I tried to keep my curve low. And I tried to maintain that like aggro kind of uh, black kind of thing. Yeah, um, I did put in a little, a, a couple instances of sorceries because I had the uh, the I believe there's a goblin that uh, got like did damage two da- it did two damage every time you cast an instant or sorcery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, then I'll put some buff cards in here too. So I had a couple of buff cards like. Uh, uh, I had the, the 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 black strike card that gave you some uh, gave a boost and a couple other things, mm-hmm. uh, but really that was ultimately my strategy. It was just fast cards um, that would come out and hit hard often because you know I knew that it was generally a slower set, mm-hmm. uh, a slower uh, limited format. So I was like, if I can be faster than my opponent, then I'll be on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, I think uh, my major flaw with the deck was too much mana. Uh, I got mana flooded a couple rounds, and that really that slowed down my my engine, so to speak. I didn't have anything really to fix it either. Mm-hmm. I didn't have there's no real pull, no like you know tutorish kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I had to really rely on my draw, and unfortunately, you know, I kept a couple hands that I should, probably shouldn't have. Yeah, uh, but yeah, other than that, I went you know I went two one. So not bad. <laughs> yeah. I uh, see, you know, it's funny because I knew that that was going to be the mentality. It always is. You know, people like to go like red, white is usually the go Boros, yeah, swing fast, swing hard. Um, so I took a risk and I went control from the beginning. Um, I went blue, black and strictly was picking up cards like I had. I had a thought seize I picked up. Um, a duress, so I had like a lot of hand destruction. I also had a bunch of uh, thought scours, so a bunch of like 
library destruction. I had a couple cards that milled. I had these little flyers, little one one flyers that when they hit your opponent mills two cards. Ooh, that's um, rough in a forty card format. Right. And then I also had the uh the white of the precinct six, which gets plus one plus one for each creature card in their graveyard. And then I had a bunch of blue prowess creatures that are getting, you know, jacked up every time I play a, a non uh, creature spell. So I just sort of went that route because I just figured it was something that people weren't going to go for at first, and I would get sort of the the pick of the litter, and I think I did. Um, yeah, I don't think blue. Well, it really depended. I'll be honest. I I didn't do that badly. I also went two and one. One of them was the buy though, um, and in the game that I lost, it was a close game. Like it wasn't, and I went against a heavy hitting Boros deck mm-hmm. um that you know our friend Mike was playing like his his was his was dirty and he was in the final round <laughs> um it was rough and dirty but it was just like it i think my issue too was i also had too much land my curve was so small that i think i probably could have went less land and put a couple more cards in especially cuz i had card draw um i just really feel like i played 17 land i feel like i probably could have gotten away with like 15 15 uh 15 25 was it 15 25 yeah i could have yeah, 15, been 15 25 yeah likewise i think I, I that should have been my ratio too but hey you know you that's that's the that's the game <laughs> yeah overall you know that i ended up um doing some trades and, and picking up the the extra box that that mike had with him um and then i ended up actually we ended up buying a box uh, me and the wife um, because we've had found it on Black Friday for a good price. So all in all, I, I opened like two boxes and change of iconic masters. Didn't get a monodrain. That monodrain, that elusive monodrain. But I did get the thing that's getting me the monodrain. Oh. I pulled a foil thoughtsies. Oh geez. And that's a hundred dollar card. <laughs> wow, good job, man. Yeah. So um that came in the box that I just got. And I, I instantly went online and sold it to uh actually sold it to Troll and Toad um for like, you know, it was like sixty-five or seventy bucks, which I wouldn't have gotten, even though it's priced at a hundred. Like checking on eBay, like you could buy one for like fifty, sixty bucks. So, so that's not bad, being above the well, it was foil too, right? So, so I mean, so honestly, like it was just easier to sell the troll and toad for the for the credit because I know I can then just get the mono drain. Um, and they sell the mono drain for like seventy. Um, I sold that and the Aether Vial I pulled because I just didn't need another Aether Vial and it was <laughs> it's hot right now. It's like another twenty two bucks in the hole. So um all in all, I'm gonna end up getting the mono drain, which is nice. Um, because I really did want just one at least. Uh that that was like the the card of the set and the card of the set that I really wanted. It wasn't just like the the advertised card, like I wanted the mono drain, you know, they had me, like that was it. Um shockingly, the majority of mythics that I pulled I pulled the same ones in both boxes. Really? Yeah. And is that including the uh, the Archangel of Thune that I? Uh... No, because that was not from the box. I mean, like the actual boxes oh. that I opened. Oh, I see. Um, I I I pulled I pulled an Elishnor and a Consecrated Sphinx and a Thundermaw Hellkite in both boxes. Though I did get four Mythics in the second box that I opened, Look which is you. above the curve, which was nice. Um, but it wasn't anything to to write home about. Um, so I am looking forward to getting my mono drain, but yeah, all in all, I mean, just to kind of just recap now that we've sort of tinkered with the set, I'm not sure iconic would be what I would have called this set. Are you they sure? Were, there are select cards that are iconic, but there are other cards that I look at and I'm just like, when I think of magic, I've, I've I would never think of this card. You mean like you don't I, think of child of the night? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't think of like, you know. 
Like, I'm looking at a blood gas right now. I think of blood gas. That's an iconic card. That card... Blood gas was t- a terror during the... Still is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a staple in modern dredge. Um, you know, things like Thoughtseize, obviously, iconic. Mana Drain, yes, iconic. But then you've got, like, other things, like... While I like Thought Scour, I don't think of it as an iconic card. You know, same thing with, like, a couple others that they I just randomly had. the dragon... Um, the dragons were a bit of a stretch... I mean, yes, very certain of, like, you know, some of them uh, are actually iconic. However, having the full set seemed a bit much, but I I figured it was an easy fill for them. Something for each color to really kind of, like, pull for, in a way. I do like the new art of the dragons. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think they look look gorgeous. Um, I also pulled... And the new art of uh, Austere Command and Cryptic Command, which I think look really, really cool. Um, they definitely, they definitely went out. Uh, I think, you know, we, we, we make a lot of comments that sometimes these sets don't have as much new art as they should. But I think the this time around, they definitely pulled out some some really nice pieces. Yeah. Um, you know, definitely worth getting like a play mat of, you know. Oh, definitely. <laughs> um so, I mean, all in all, as a set, I, I enjoyed the time that I spent with it. I'm, I, once again, I'm a little annoyed at the the rarity changes. Oh, yeah. I get, you know, certain cards Corpse that got... Jack Menace. Yeah, like certain cards that got just downgraded so, so horribly. Um, and I understand it's a limited set and, you know, the way it works is whatever. But still, there are just certain things about it that I really wish... Um, didn't I happen the way they did. The defenders were a strange choice too. Yeah, but I guess it plays well to the limited format. It does to have a limit uh, to have some defenders in there. I got two glimpses. Two I glimpses. had never owned glimpse the unthinkable before, mm. um, but now I have two, and that's I never bought them because they were so expensive. Now's the time to buy them. I might buy two more for the playset because I'm always looking for a way to play mill and modern. Like that's my thing. Speaking of which. Um, Moving on to our next subject, I think there's an issue in modern right now. Well, what kind of issue do you have? I mean, uh, I it's mean, so it's the set. It's not quite legacy. It's not. It's quite. not the. It's not the <laughs> set itself. I think it's the speed of it. Um, but I mean, that's that's kind of like when you get to those. But uh, it, that should be vintage and legacy. Vintage yeah. and legacy should be the the super speedy. Like vintage should be the speediest of all. And legacy should be like up there, but like people should be able to turn it around depending on what decks are matched up with who. But modern right now, it's just like I feel like there are so many good modern decks that I want to play, but the modern format is like a, a currently a three to four turn game. Well, I and mean, and in my you, in my you, mind, I'm just like I I want to play Magic. But I mean, the problem is is that you need that. You need that that format that is out, you know, literally one step outside of standard. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, don't get me wrong. But I am not bashing modern. But what I'm saying is, is that it is it's necessary. However, with recent sets that have come out and the synergies that they create, going, you know, because modern currently stretches from Ixalan all the way back to Mirrodin. You know, they're especially like Kaladesh, 
You know, there are a lot of cards that kind of like. Ex- but I mean, Affinity was already on top. Oh yeah, like well, it's not like Kaladesh affin- didn't make Affinity's it. Guard. <laughs> it, it, it. I mean, but like that didn't make it. That didn't make Affinity stronger. It's just like it's the fact that like I look at things and I'm like, wow, this would be a really cool concept. I was talking to our buddy Joe about this, and I was like, you know, there are, there's are some really cool concepts that I would love to play in a modern setting. Things that modern would be the format for. The problem is it's not the format for because modern's too quick. And if you're not playing one of those like super fast, like dead in two, three turn decks, then you're not winning modern. Like, for instance, I would love to play Tribal Gideon. <laughs> we joked about that, Dave. I know. <laughs> but I would love to actually, now that with the new Planeswalker rule, I would love to play a deck of Gideon, like specific Gideons. And add some other things in there. But the problem is I'd be way dead before I'd be able to do anything with my Gideons. Yeah, you're right. Um, They'd be getting you on before you get your Gideon on. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But also, like I said about Mill, I love trying to make Mill viable and modern. The problem is is most of the time it's just not fast enough. That's part of the reason why I really need the Glimpses. Because Glimpse is like the fastest Mill card in the game. Mm -hmm. Two mana to Mill 10. Like that's huge. Yeah. But it's just like you know, I it's it's a hard thing to do. It's a hard uh, thing to do, you know, I and what, I don't I don't know how do you fix that. Do you do you implement more bans? Do you think? I don't I think mean, so. That, I don't that, think that would make people happy. Obviously, it wouldn't make people happy, but would it help the the you know people often say the health of the format? You know, when they speak the health of standard, you know, certain bans were needed. Do you think certain bans are needed to keep uh, modern healthy and you know easy for? Not easy per se, but more welcoming to people who want to jump into the format and not spend a whole lot of money. See, I don't think so. I don't think because it's not like a handful of cards that are breaking modern. Like if there was one deck on top all the time in a specific combo, like, you know, back when uh, Splinter Splinter Twin was the, you know, that, that, that deck was like on top and then the, the ban happened and it, it, it changed the game, you know what I mean? Like, people stopped playing that deck. But I don't think right now that that's the, that that's the issue. I think it's just... Do you think they need to cut off or, like, start moving the bar a little bit? I don't know, man. So that certain I almost sets aren't like, included? I almost feel like that's too much, too. Sometimes I try Are you to... sure? There's a lot of sets in Modern. I know. It goes all the way back dude, to, like... Dude, I, I know. <laughs> I know it does. But that's what it's supposed to be. You know, the problem, I don't know, part of me almost feels like, and I know this would get, no matter what happens, no matter what, if they change anything, there's always going to be people that like it, there's always going to be people that hate it. There's never going to be, like, a happy medium of, like... that. That's just, that's just life, David. I know. <laughs> and I know that what I'm about to say, people would hate, but I almost feel like there needed to be, like, there needs to be a turn count. A turn count? Yeah. Like wait. like modern, you cannot win the game in the first five turns. That's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. But I mean... I mean, like, that changes... Not even magic itself has a turn count. I, Dude, <laughs> I know. But that way people could still play with all their cards. In fact, they could probably unban a whole bunch of cards. Because most of the issue was the the strength and the speed of the combo. There's a whole bunch of speed combos that wouldn't matter if it's like, well, you have to take at least five. Like, I don't know. Maybe. 
I know people wouldn't that, be happy that, about that it. That would be a whole other game, even. I know. That might not even be like magic at that point. So then maybe, <laughs> so then maybe, maybe the problem with modern is that maybe we need a new format. <laughs> call it slow modern. <laughs> no, I mean, maybe you call it something. I mean, they could call it something catchy, like, you know, modern two. Clocked Electric magic Boogaloo. or something. You know what I mean? Or <laughs> clocked magic or, you know, strategist's mode or I, feel, I don't know. Something. I feel like that would be more of a. Uh, what Commander was, you know, something that isn't officially supported by Magic. I'm saying they should gr- have it has official. A growing, has a growing community. I think there's a lot of other things that should have official support, like, you know, <laughs> before Wizard starts going on to, like, making new formats. I don't know. I just... Like, it's you know, a- actually having... Commander tournaments in you know officially sanctioned commander tournaments. They in. can right now. <laughs> There's nothing stopping. I know it's a multiplayer format right now. They don't have a dual commander. Oh, there is though. But Europe has it. I know. <laughs> I know. Those French, they love their dual commander. <laughs> I know. I still. I mean, it'll nothing will ever change my opinion. I think commander is the best format of Magic. It that's, just that's is. A, that's a bold opinion, David. That's, listen, I think it's just it's in my opinion, my personal opinion, it's the most accessible mm-hmm. to new and older players because new players they can literally just go buy a pre-made commander deck and they've are, and they're started. They're up and running. Are they well oiled? No, no. But they're up and running. You know what I mean? They they have they have a foundation on which to build on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And. Older players have, you know, the slew of cards they have to pick from. Money-wise, I mean, like, it's it's the it's the format where you buy one of and you're good. You know what I mean? That's true. That's um, true. The games, because of the singleton nature... Unless you want to start, you know, black-bordering or... Like, <laughs> yeah, right? Because of the single nature of the game, though, I mean... Foiling out your mo- commander deck. Oh, I know a kid that did that. Not even a kid, I should call him an adult. But, like, back when Wild Pigs was, you know, a store, this kid had a full... Foil commander deck. Yeah, man. And I mean, like, he had. That's, that's prestige right there. <laughs> he had cards, man. The only cards in his deck that I think weren't foiled were his dual lands because they were original duels, which Ooh, were never foiled. They never had foil. But outside of that, I think every card in his deck, we're talking like sack lands. Can you we're talking. If they reprinted like the most limited run of foil original duels. <laughs> I I no. and they charge a, a major premium on it. No, they never. And then they're like, and then Wizards is like, <laughs> that's the that's that's the time nobody would buy it, and the time the game would end. The moment they tap into that reserve list is the moment oh, that the game ends. That's the reserve. Yes, that's I'm literally sorry. the moment the fo- that the forbidden it ends. lands. <laughs> no, Simba, you cannot go there. <laughs> But, you know, while we're on the topic of foiling, From the Vault Transform just came out. That it did, David. And I haven't picked it up yet, actually. It came out this... We're recording this at the end of November here, and it, and it came out, like, at the beginning of this week. Um, and I've yet to pick it up, but I, I, I will most definitely want to pick up a set of From the Vault Transform. This is the first From the Vault in a while that I can say, without a doubt, I'm like, this cards, is... cards, a majority of them, like, top-notch. I know. <laughs> So, I mean, just to name them off real quick, you have Hunt's Master of the Fells, um, Garuk Relentless, Delver of Secrets, uh, the Archangel Avacyn, um Arguel's Bloodfast, yeah. Arlen Cord, Bloodline Keeper. Brazella. <laughs> yes, Gisela and Bruna. Uh, sh- all five all of five. the Origins Planeswalkers. Which is ridiculous. Which is crazy. And, and then Erebus. Yes. The Blade. 
that turns into the crazy demon. Crazy, crazy um, demon. The fact that the, the five origins planeswalkers alone, I think spoiled it's value. Out, I was like, this is already a set <laughs> worth buying. But then, baby Jace, <laughs> yeah, a foil baby Jace, man. Um, yeah, I mean, without a doubt. There's, there's no, I mean, there's no debate. And plus, new art on a couple of these, like, oh, that new art Garuk, like, love it. Yeah. <laughs> and there's, there's no doubt in my mind, a hundred percent. This is from the Vault Transform is a set worth picking up. Like, kudos, Wizard, you made it. You made, you made the set that yeah, we I was like. We were curious, like, like, what would they do? And like, oh, so of course, yeah. all five of the flip, the flip planes. I expected one. <laughs> I expected maybe. I was like, maybe they're gonna do Jace. Because like it's Lily, or maybe like Nissa if they're being coy. I thought they were going to do Jace because Jace was like the hot card and it was going to make people buy the set. I didn't think they were going to do all five. Um, I also didn't expect Brizella to be in there. Brizella, it's very iconic. You know, it's very like it was the card for that set, I feel like. Uh, and it's really nice that they put it in. Actually, no, really, Avison was the card of that set and That's she's true. in there too. She is. <laughs> Flip Avison was, was awesome. To, you know, even I am like, oh, man. Like I said, I mean, I'm hoping that, I mean, of course the prices are going to be crazy. Like, I should probably just I, get it while I can. I doubt it. Speaking of prices, kind of going back a second, um, Iconic Masters, I couldn't figure out why it was so cheap until someone mentioned it at our game. But apparently Iconic Masters is the first master set that's not exclusive to game and hobby shops. Like, really? You, yeah, you can buy Iconic Masters stuff at, like, Target. Oh damn! <laughs> yeah, that's I wonder why if they did that because of the uh, upcoming, you know, the holiday buying season. Maybe, but I think that's that they supposedly that's why a lot of the box prices of the master set got cut and cut and cut because it was like you could go to Target and pick them up. You know what <laughs> you I mean? Use your forty percent off coupons from Target. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> and actually, um, from what once again, what Joe was telling me is that people were going back and forth and like. You know, buying them for like 150 bucks from their their local hobby shop, going to Target and just saying, "Oh, I don't have a receipt. I need to return this." Ooh, and people, getting, don't be scummy and, like and, that. And getting that sweet Target cash, <laughs> and then just rebuying it at another Target, and then using the extra cash for whatever they wanted at Target. Um, and I was just like, "Damn!" Uh, but yeah, regardless, I hope they don't do that with From the Vault Transform, or maybe I do. If it makes the price go real stupid cheap, maybe that'd be nice. Ooh, Baby J's would drop. Yeah, so um, I mean, it's been an interesting month for Magic between mm-hmm. these these three things. And speaking, you know, on the topic of interesting, next month I'm sure we'll have a oh, a yeah. plethora of things to talk about with Unstable. Oh man, because I think Unstable, I mean honestly, we man. could we could talk about it right now, but we're saving it. There's a lot there because as as we're recording, um, the full card image gallery has come out for Unstable. So we could talk about it right now, but we, we're gonna we're gonna save that little gem for next month. Mm-hmm. I think it's a nice uh, nice that we could also talk about, um, you know, just looking ahead, uh, you know, because this is gonna be our December show, so it's gonna be like looking ahead to 2018. Um, yeah, you know, we're gonna have uh, the next Ixalan set is gonna be coming out fairly not immediately in 2018, but I believe actually is it January? It might be. Yeah, so that'll be probably fully spoiled by the time we. Uh, or at least you know ninety nine percent spoiled yeah. by the time we st- we record, um, and uh, you know what what else? oh Dominaria is that next? I think so. Oh man, yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be tasty. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I mean, this is, isn't Dominaria gonna be the new design, like supposedly, and yeah. Richard Garfield back and yeah. helping out. And, yeah, we'll see what happens. Ooh. Um, 
So that rounds out our magic section for the month. Yeah. Uh, moving on to Dungeons and Dragons. Dern Xanathar's Guide to Everything is now available it's at your available. local hobby shop All in those. regular and <laughs> premium edition. Oh, yes. The new, the premium edition. I don't know if you've seen. Like, it's you've, very nice. It's so nice. It's, I want the premium edition. <laughs> Black with the gold. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I dig that, man. Um, so... It was, for the most part, what Jengis and I had surmised it would be. It was what? a l- not entirely, not entirely. There were some differences, but a lot of the stuff was. I think a lot of stuff was nerfed. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm not talking about rules changes, though. I'm talking about like in terms of the content of the book. Oh yes, yes, a yes. good majority of it was from Unearthed Arcanas that we had previously discussed. Um, a lot of new class options, um, some really nifty DM stuff too, like um, how to. Just sort of create what is it backgrounds like the, the, the on the downtime run, rules were downtime there. magic uh, item creation rules magic, are finally there. Magic item creation rules is actually a really interesting one that I kind of wanted to talk a little bit more. Yeah, about. sure, go ahead. Um, I was really impressed by the magic item section because not only did it have the item creation rules, uh, it also had a bunch of what they call like uh, what was it common magic items, mm-hmm. like magic items you just find wherever. You know, and like, you know, they're not super powerful, but they're like, imagine a world where magic is not exactly common, but like, you know, if you're in a high magic area, they maybe they take magic and they turn it into like, you know, utility type things. Right. Um, and, you know, that that it, when I read it at first, it gave me a lot of like it gave me a lot of Ebron vibes mm. because Ebron is a high magic, not not so much high magic, but like uh, I believe the term I actually uh, the the creator of Ebron. Uh, he released a uh, like a blog. He has a blog mm-hmm. where he tries to convert a lot of the Eberron stuff over to Five E. He calls Eberron a wide magic uh, setting. So not so much that it's it's there's a lot of there's a lot of powerful magic, but it's magic is spread everywhere. Yeah, you know, there's magic. Every corner of the globe has magic of some sort. Sure, and that's why things are a bit more common. Like you'll find people making like. You know, all the lamps. That's why there's a robot people. There's, that's why there's a robot people. And all the lamps are like ever burning torches, you know, like mm-hmm. stuff like that. And I think that's a really cool idea. <clears throat> and they, they did a little bit of, he did a little bit of like converting the, because there it was funny because he actually said like some of the things in Xanathar's Guide are pretty much direct uh, direct translations of Eberron I- items, mm-hmm. um, and uh, I'll, I'll put a link to that that blog post in the in the show notes. But it's definitely worth a read, uh, especially if you're a fan of that setting, which unfortunately they haven't done yet. <laughs> mm. um, but I hope they do. Anything in particular outside of that that caught your eye in Xanathar's Guide? Um, Get it? Caught your eye, <laughs> beholder. <laughs> um, once again, uh, Wizards really knocks out of the park with uh, design on mm. this book. Uh, I love the the narrative they kind of spin mm-hmm. because this is the this is a book written by a, a beholder, you know. Yeah. So a lot of the jokes there are like you know um, he said like magic. I, I think one of my favorites. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's like magic items. I don't really understand the appeal of them. They're so unreliable. You know, you look one time, they're working, and you blink, and they stop working. You know. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who don't know, one of the beholder's <laughs> eyes is an anti-magic ray. Yeah. That's clever. <laughs> right? And it's like, there's a lot of really fun stuff. Uh, they have a goldfish on the cover. It's like, uh, all in all, I think it's a really solid book. 
um, you know, worth picking up. A lot of great character options in there. Yeah. Um, you know, from your your cavaliers to your sun soul monks, mm-hmm. you know, to your to uh, your was it Pathfinder druids? Uh, not Pathfinder. Was this a Pathfinder? Wayfinder? I don't know. <laughs> Uh, a lot of good. What about you, David? Anything that caught your eye? I mean, I'm always a fan of more class options. Um, they brought back um, the uh, oh, the hexblade, hexblade, yes. and I was like, oh yeah, hexblade. Here we go. This is <laughs> this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think the wizard option was there was a there was a melee wizard option. I believe it wasn't exactly what you. It, I, it wasn't. No, it it wasn't that it. <laughs> It was still a wizard, and they tried to make it like a war mage, but like a really nerfed not war mage. And yeah, I was sad. I, I looked at him like mm, Dave's going to be disappointed in yeah, this. No, I didn't. <laughs> I didn't bother. Um, but yeah, I liked the character creation. I like I like options. I mm-hmm. do, and I know you like options too, which is why you picked up some new RPGs. That's right. Uh, I picked up. Well, uh, we'll be talking about packs unplugged later, but uh, I picked up uh, two RPG books while I was there. Uh, even though I, I checked out a lot more. Like I said, we'll talk about it later. Um, one of the books I have here uh, by Flying Nightbear Games. Uh, Flying Nightbear Games, yes, is called uh, Beyonder. Mm. Uh, the Science of the Six is the book I have. The Science of uh, the Six. That's right. The, so, six, the symbol of the six looks just like the symbol of the seven, except <laughs> it's six pointed. So um, from Game of Thrones, <laughs> uh, it was it was a really interesting. Let me tell you a little bit of the story of uh, when the, when I found this booth. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was there with uh, with our with our fly like the night bear, <laughs> the fast track to the beyonder. Okay, um, you know I went there and uh, I was checking all the booths and the 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 art for this booth really stuck out to me. Uh, and I was like, you know what? Let me check this out. What what is Beyonder? And I look and I look, and it's a uh, it's an RPG system. And I'm like, oh, interesting RPG system. You know, I start chatting up the guys. I did get an interview, uh, which will be up on our uh, Geekade YouTube channel uh, shortly, pretty soon. I'm sure after this episode drops, uh, they should start coming up. Actually, you can look forward to a lot of things upcoming. We have. All of Jengus's interviews from PAX Unplugged That's coming right. out. Mm-hmm. Our Devil's Night game, there was a small issue and will be coming out, don't worry, though better late than never. As well as another um, Rocco and Dave special little uh, one-shot game. Yeah, speaking of D&D. Yeah, but um, continue with your, uh, you're at the booth. Yeah, I'm at the booth and, you know, I'm like, oh, this is really interesting. Uh, so I'm talking to the guy uh, whose name escapes me. I apologize at the moment. I'm terrible with names if you do listen to this. Dwahilis. <laughs> um, uh, yes. Nice. Uh, and, I'm, and I'm looking at the art and I'm like, oh, this is like, this is such amazing art, such interesting you know uh such an interesting setting um and i see like you guys have you know i said like i see you have races i see a couple familiar ones but a lot of like unique ones and i like when people make unique races mm-hmm. um because you know even though they kind of harken back to things we normally you know we kind of like look at uh i i do like when people go out of the way uh the story behind this rpg system is really good um so yeah uh, the person I was talking to was apparently the son of the creator of the system. The, this system has been in the works for 40 years since wow. the 70s. Um, the original creator uh, came up with this system to impress his would-be wife. 
Nice. Um, right? uh, he created a system to impress her. Um, uh, eventually, though, the, you know, the just like you know, growing up having kids, uh, he had to kind of shelve this away. Uh, and then it, uh, this is this is I'm paraphrasing the story he told me. So if it's not entirely accurate, I apologize. Uh, he uh, at one family gathering, uh, the 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 his uh, his son, you know, his children and their cousins were like playing around. They're like they wanted to play a game together, uh, and uh, I believe it was like one of their like one of their uh, one of his brothers uh, said, "Hey, you know, uh, you know, your uncle has an RPG system that he created himself." And they're like, "Whoa!" And then they uh, he apparently he he brought it out. You know, they played it and they really enjoyed it. Uh, you know, flash forward, you know, later on in life. Um, you know, they, they go back and like, Hey, you know, dad, you should really, you should really make this system. You should publish it. Um, so, you know, he, he, he did, they started working on it and, you know, and here we go right in front of your eyes, you know, uh, the work of, you know, you know, it's funny because like when I, when I heard this story, uh, I couldn't help but think of you, David and, uh, you know, your setting, um, Miss Haven, you know, I'm like, you know. You know, that's, it's, you know, it really like, it, it kind of like inspired me in a way. Cause I was like, you know, you can, the, it never stops, you know, it, mm-hmm. you're never too old to do it, you know? Right. You know, you can just, just, you know, you just have to write it down. You just have to put it all together, you know, and you can, you can make your own system out there. Really interesting thing here um, that I find very interesting is there's actually like a little questionnaire to discover like your character in the book. Like they ask you questions and it's almost like every question leads to a different question, which will then tell you your race, like, and then all the other things that kind of go along with it, like, you know, possible like guilds or whatever else is going on in this, but I don't quite understand the buzz. I mean, I get the buzzwords, but I don't quite understand the importance of them yet, but that's interesting. And then obviously like a custom way to make your characters as well, Mm -hmm. but it's interesting that they give you like a little like... How would you handle this as your character? Yeah. So you can kind of figure out what your character is before you're even sure of what it may be. Um, numbers. A lot of numbers, though. A lot of numbers. Don't know about the numbers thing. <laughs> you know, um, I also got the uh, – because I also got the bestiary that they created as well. Uh, and they did it in similar fashion to uh, – uh, as like a journal, uh, so to speak, of like this this adventurer – who uh, you know? Who, who explored this land and documented all the creatures and people he saw on his journey? Uh, I didn't bring that similar with me. Similar to Volo's guide. Similar to Volo's guide. Yes. Interesting. Uh, I didn't bring that with me, but I also picked up as well. Um, I also liked uh, I, the the concept. I didn't get a chance to play it. Uh, I didn't know if they ran demos uh, at the convention, but um, uh, they they talked about that the. The moment the the way the the game works is like everything is down to moments, <clears throat> and moments can be uh, seconds, like the heat of a battle, mm-hmm. like you know one on one combat, a moment moment to moment seconds. Sure. Or moments can be years, where you're you're instead of playing as a, a person, you're playing as a a town or a city, and it's how your city grows over the years. You you can roll the you know the moments are that, or like the moments can be like generations where like two nations are going to war, you know, and those moments are are a lot long uh, longer. Uh, that that's the way they explained it to me, and, I th- and apparently it's all supported by the system, uh, which I thought was really interesting too. Uh, 
you know, I, I, <laughs> I I'm not sure if I'll ever have the time to run it, but I would definitely like to give it a shot one day. And uh, I think we should try to like document that and uh, let people know how it really worked. Sure. And uh, what was the uh, the other RPG? The other, the other book I have is uh, <laughs> Ragnarok: Fate of the Norns. Oh man. <laughs> I call Mjolnir. <laughs> um, so this is another really interesting. So like I said, I, I I was really drawn by the the art. Art, art. yeah, art. I can tell right away. Yeah. I opened up the book. <laughs> Jenkins handed me the book, and I'm opening it up here, and it's like um almost like a classic like uh, cave fresco kind of like cavey painting, silly art. I can't. To me, it, it felt like it. you know, if you were if you were a Norse, you know, if you're writing a Norse like book, like stained glass windows that mm-hmm. are on pages instead of books. Exactly. I and mean, they, pages instead of uh, instead of glass. And they all tell you know the tales of this book. So what's really interesting about Ragnarok um, is that instead of using dice, it uses runes. I can see that. Yes. So you. You have a you have a bag of runes, and the runes uh, you determine the runes by like how strong you are in certain things. So there's there's physical runes, there's uh, mental runes, and I believe there's uh, spiritual runes. It's a uh, red, blue, and green. Uh, you put all the you know you you take your your given runes, you put them in a bag, and you draw them when you want to do stuff. That's how you like ready for your you know action. You draw your runes, and depending on what runes you have, determine on what you can do. Um, and runes, all you know, runes are for everything. You, you use runes for attacks. You use runes for your actions. Um, one of the things uh, he he explained to me the 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 vendor there was that you can take like say you have a fireball. Fireball takes a, a magic rune, so you put your magic rune on a bo- rune, rune on the board. You could take your other runes and you could augment that fireball. So you could take like uh, you could take a mental. I don't know if you saw, but you could take like a mental rune. Uh, or like a physical rune, and you could turn it sideways and you put it against the other one. That says like this is a fireball with more power. Does like an extra you know bit of damage, uh, or um, this is you it's know hard not to use dice when you're talking about damage. <laughs> you like you held back, you bit your tongue there. You're like there's an extra d- d- damage. <laughs> um, or like you know the, you add another rune and said this does this extra range or this explodes larger. Sure. Um, and I thought that was really interesting. And also like there's um, in the back they have the character sheet, um, and the character sheet is also uh, has three different health tracks. Um, one health track is like longer. Uh, that's supposed to be the easy health track. Then they have like two, like a, a shorter health track and another health track after that. So uh, scaling difficulty. Exactly. Interesting. So you can you can you can scale your adventure how you wish. Uh, what I found really interesting was that uh, the the various uh, health trackers were had like names on them. Uh, I'm not sure if you could see it on here. No, it's not as visible on this one. I think there's another one inside. But like, if you look at it, um, you <laughs> this was labeled Midgard. This was labeled Asgard. And I'm like, oh wait a second, this this is the nine realms. Yeah. And I'm like, this is Yggdrasil right here. This is the world tree. And he's like, no. And he told me like, no one, <laughs> no one picked that up. Like so many people looked at it, no one picked that up. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I did it. I'm a nerd. Yeah. <laughs> nerd status achieved. But, but yeah, sweet you, you man. See here like stun, wound, death, drain. You know, like yeah. four and then longer. You know. Interesting. Um, 
So, yeah, that's a really interesting system, too. This one uh, has been out for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, they have a lot more. Uh, I'll link the site, obviously, in the show notes. Um, but they have, a, they, have a, they have a quick adventure out. They have uh, a couple uh, at, uh, additional guides on there. Um, and also, another really good thing, a really interesting thing that I was like, oh, wow. And I almost picked it up, but I didn't. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, I'm spending too much money. Um, <laughs> is uh, the, he had a, uh, the author of the book, the creator of the book, actually did his own translation of the Heroic Edda. And, the, uh, and he, uh, yeah, I think I have it right here. I think that was the top. Yeah, right here. The Illuminated Edda. Uh, he did his own translation, hmm. uh, which I thought was really cool. That is like, cool. You know how how else would you like get you know <laughs> into the setting? Into rather the than, spirit like, of the Nordic warrior. Yeah. So you got like you know, there's a whole bunch here. Uh, like I said, I'll link it. They have the nice metal runes. I didn't buy the runes though, but I was like, man, I really want these metal runes. Uh, but yeah, those are the those are the two RPGs. I saw a couple more, but I'll talk about them in our our board game section. Sure. Um, to round out our D&D section, the holiday season is upon us. That it is. And I thought it would be fun, not just for this season, but for all holidays, taking the, the mythical creatures that uh, are sometimes associated with said holidays and trying to figure out what would they be if they were D&D characters. <laughs> like, how, where did they start and maybe where did they become? Um, I know that there are some books out there and some people that have already done this. But I kind of tried to stay away from that, and and and, and I figured it would be fun to th- you know think about right now. So I mean, obviously the the prominent man in red. <laughs> uh, what yes. would you say Santa Claus would have been? I mean, you, I, I'm you jaded. Know. I'm don't be jaded by the Dresden Files. I can't help it. <laughs> I know. Spoiler alert! I'm saying it right now. Spoiler alert for the Dresden Files novels. Here we go. I feel like Santa Claus would be Odin. <laughs> <laughs> it's very hard it's to... actually de- not spoiler because obviously modern, you know, they say that the, the legend of Santa it, Claus was derived from... It is still from- spoiler if you're reading the books <laughs> and you don't know. It's a spoiler. But yeah, yeah in the Dresden Files, um, Dresden meets uh, Odin under a new name who runs a security firm. Finds out it's Odin and he's like, holy crap. But then meets him again and realizes that Odin and Santa Claus are the same person, just you know, different different mythos behind different them. Two sides of the same coin, I believe, is what he said. Yeah. Um, so it is hard not to imagine Santa <laughs> as as Odin. But if you had to choose something of your own, how what, what do you think? What would you throw Santa? I would as? say me, uh, Santa would be a medium like outsider. Uh, I don't think he would be, or like I wouldn't say celestial. Hmm. Um, maybe Faye. Uh, maybe I would go as far as Faye. Yeah. Um, you know, he would be, but he would be something like that. Um, probably along the lines of like a cleric, I would say. Uh, maybe cleric based. Uh, but he would definitely have like, you know, I feel like, you know, in one hand, maybe his bag of goodies. Maybe it would be, if we were going D&D, maybe it's like a, maybe it's a bag of holding, a custom bag of holding. Sure. You know, is his, his sack, obviously, because that's how he has all his all his presents. You know, yeah. how else can he carry all his presents? It's a bag of holding. Portable hole. <laughs> exactly. Or that. Um, uh, and uh, but in his other hand is like maybe maybe like a club or some sort. But it's like made out of like 
uh, you know, a, a Christmassy tree, a pine. Sure. <laughs> nice. But uh, but I can imagine like him in like a like reddish leather. You know, uh, maybe it's not exactly red, but it's kind of like a reddish hue. BDSM uh, Santa, a, a brownish. Well, no, leather armor, obviously. Yeah, well, Santa, Santa baby. <laughs> I mean, he is Father Christmas. <laughs> um, for me, dwarf. Ooh, definitely because the beard and the oh, of course the hair mm-hmm. um, and the stomach. Um, dwarven, and then depending on the system you're using, like five e, I think the closest I'd probably have to go with a sorcerer or a wizard. Oh, really? Yeah, but if we're gonna go anything, a dwarven artificer. Yeah, that would make the most sense. Yeah, a dwarven <laughs> artificer who just creates magic items and any items really. And Say, in hey, my mind, sounds like a holiday themed uh, adventure. In, in, <laughs> yeah, in my mind, he's a dwarven artist artificer who got kind of stuck in a very cold place once upon a time and during his his time there he ends up forming a a bond with a bunch of gnomes who are there and you know he misses his people but he sort of adopts them as his people but they they just sort of look up to him because of not only his knowledge of, of what he does and he teaches them how to be artificers too never quite with the skill that he, he that, they, that matches his own but he he allows them to sort of take part in in, in the, the the role of being an artificer and um you know teaches them and creates a society like and and, and he's sort of like their king and uh, eventually, he's able to leave his his icy entrapment, but he he's already kind of created a home, so he always returns. Um, and just to kind of let the the world kind of share some of the joy that he found in finding a family, he sort of goes around and, and delivers these these things to to brighten everyone's day once a year. Maybe he becomes like a, a champion of a dwarven or like an avatar of a dwarven god. Or maybe he way. just is his own just his, his own, own thing. thing. He's his own thing. His own thing. <laughs> Um, David Pumpkins. David has pumpkins. What would David Pumpkins be? <laughs> Classic Halloween character, David S. Pumpkins. Yes, he's the, uh, the Santa Claus of Halloween. I don't know. Like, he's definitely an outsider. Um, <laughs> Maybe. I wouldn't call him like a demon or anything like that. Okay. But, like, you know, he's definitely not of this plane. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, Are we talking about after or before the animated special? I never saw the animated special, actually. Okay, because the animated special, the dude's got powers. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, David Pumpkins, like, I mean, granted... David S. Pumpkins. Excuse me. David S. Pumpkins. David S. Pumpkins has, um, you know, I mean, the, the interesting thing is, like, I know, I know the humor of David S. Pumpkins is a hit or miss. Some people love it. Some people can't stand it. I am obviously it's a very lover. Very polarizing. And very much. <laughs> um, I loved... David S. Pumpkins, and I loved the Halloween special. Had some great quotes. Like, there's this moment where he's like, you know, time to get in the pumpkin mobile. And then all of a sudden, like, parting through the darkness of the bushes, this this jack-o'-lantern mobile starts to come up, and when it comes into the light, it's a giant strawberry cut out like a, like a jack-o'-lantern. <laughs> and his kid that he's, like, you know, helping, like, the kid of the story that's, you know, Peter Dinklage is is the younger Peter Dinklage because Peter Dinklage narrates the whole thing. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, the younger Peter Dinklage character, the ch- the boy, is like, "Why is the pumpkin mobile a strawberry?" 
And David S. Pumpkin's response is, well, because you can't drive a pumpkin, man. <laughs> God. That is just like, good. Yeah. Um, promptly after they get out of it, he shrinks it back down to a strawberry size with his magic and then eats the strawberry. All right. Um, he's able to float jack-o'-lanterns randomly. Like, hey, he can just, any jack-o'-lantern, he can make it float. Um, so he's got powers. He does I mean, have that powers. That definitely sounds like he's a, a necromancer. A necromancer? Those two skeleton bee boys, he straight up raises out of the ground. <laughs> Then I would say a wizard, yeah. for sure. No, that's what I was going to say. I was going to say I think he is a, I think he is a level one necromancer with a very very high perform skill. <laughs> he has he loves prestidigitation so much. Yeah, he it's pre, he uses two spells. That's raised like simple raise dead and prestidigitation. It's like all he knows. And he can just, and he just has perform and bluff out the wazoo, <laughs> and that's how he just gets by. In my mind, that's that's David S. Pumpkin, that's, human, human, definitely. Uh, okay, all right. Um, Tom Hanks. <laughs> um, yeah, I just like that's it's so God, so many good one liners. This kid, just I know this is a little off kilter, but it's totally worth. It. There's this kid, and you know the same kid I was talking about before. He sees the girl he likes, and, he, and and the kid is with his sister. Yeah, and the girl is with her little brother, and the girl is like, "Oh, so you're you're taking your little sibling out to trick or treating too?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, totally. Like of course." And she goes, "Well, where's your costume? What do you what what are you gonna be when you go out tonight trick or treating?" Yeah, and he's like. I'm a little toot toot boy. Okay. <laughs> he, just, he panics. He doesn't know what to say. And that's the first thing that comes out of his mouth. And then she's like, what? And he's like, There's that. I'm like that's a house. And he just points to a house. <laughs> and he just walks away without saying anything. So many great little, little moments like that. <laughs> I'm going to miss you, Davy Pumpkins. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Are we ever going to see you again? No! <laughs> it's just, oh, it was great. Oh, um, I'll have to check it out. The turkey. The turkey. Thanksgiving turkey. Thanksgiving turkey. <laughs> it's, mean, it's, it's a monster it's of a some kind. It's a monster of some kind? Uh, sure. Um, what are its abilities? <laughs> <laughs> it's got sleep. Uh, yeah, sleep. It's yeah. got a supernatural ability uh, uh, called tryptophan. A hundred percent sleep. It's, it's it is it is uh, a high powered sleep maneuver. It may be like uh, it's got darkness and also light. Um, okay, yeah. okay. I see what you did there. Yeah, you saw it. I see what you did there. Um, uh. Can cause intense hunger. Okay, right. Yeah. Could paralyze people with hunger. All right, I like um, it. Has a has a has a gobbler attack. Yeah, would yeah. you would, would he have like a sonic attack when he goes when he gobbles? Maybe. He, what does he wield? I mean, I feel like he's just like a, a creature with a claw attack. Yeah, and maybe like a bite attack too. Yeah, uh, maybe a slam because yeah. he's pretty big. He's juicy and right. plump. <laughs> he can, and he can summon a, a, a golem made completely of um, soft breadcrumbs. I was going to say potatoes. Uh, I was gonna say, so, oh, okay. We could, yeah. How about we just add everything in a mixture of like soft, softened, moist breadcrumbs, um, some mashed up buttery potatoes Ooh. and uh, some red cranberry mashed stuff. <laughs> You're making me hungry, buddy. <laughs> I told you it's one of the powers. That's of, right. Uh, God damn, it's already got me in its grasp. What do we call it though? Uh, the gobbler. Um. That's what I was thinking too. So, you know, what? we're going to go with the gobbler. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, so, 
It's the gobbler. It's the gobbler. Um, on the creatures, how about Groundhog Day? The Groundhog. Puxatawney Phil. Puxatawney Phil. If he was in D and D, he would probably. He's be a like, familiar. A familiar? I don't think he's a monster. I feel like he's like a. He's like a bro. Are you sure? Yeah. Um, I feel like he's like a very wise familiar. You know, <laughs> always tells you how many days of winter are left. Yeah, like yeah, you take him out, and he's just like he's just that he's that familiar. You you bring him out, and he's always looking for a shadow. But like mm-hmm. he's 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 kind of wise. He has like a high perception check. Ooh, ooh, I see what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easter Bunny, that's a monster. Easter Bunny's a monster. Totally. Yeah, definitely like a terrifying bunny. Wear bunny. Wear bunny. Yeah. Human by day, bunny by night. Wear rabbit. Yeah. Um has like uh That's why he wears those crappy ass suspenders. <laughs> has some grenades, some egg shaped grenades, maybe. Yeah. Uh, or like fire what what are they called? Like actually He hardens magic into a shell. Ooh. It's his own magic missile. Ooh. They say magic missile can look like whatever you want it to. It's he just true. takes the form of colorful rainbow eggs. Colorful rainbow eggs. Um They never miss. <laughs> <laughs> when he dies, he comes back once more. Yeah. <laughs> just to really yeah. mix in that whole Easter yeah. vibe. And also, um, he never carries his treasure on him. He just hides it. You have to true. kind of search for it. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. around, but you're not sure, you're sure where. Uh, He's got a strong kick attack, too. Yeah. Because he's a rabbit, after yeah. all. St. Patrick's Day, the leprechaun. I mean, that's, that's already a monster. <laughs> I guess so. We'll skip it. We'll skip it. We'll go to another one. The Tooth Fairy. The Tooth Fairy. Yeah. Yeah, ooh, that's also a monster. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, but like, my, what would what would be your version? Oh God, it's terrifying. Mine would be like about. a sprite lord that literally eats teeth. Did you, yeah. did you watch the new Teen Titans by any chance? Uh, no, maybe so, like bits and pieces. So since I have a three year old, it's 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 a, it's a show. We watch Teen yeah. Titans Go, mm-hmm. and every now and then I'm like, wow, yeah. do I enjoy this show? Because it's like not a show that you'd think you'd enjoy because you're like, this is so far from what Teen Titans was. It is just so like out. It's absurd now. Mm-hmm. It's just like a theater of the absurd. Like you watch it, and you're just like, I can't believe this is what we have devolved to this this wonderful can't show. Peace Boy is spraying the Justice League with milk. I know. <laughs> um, and in one of the episodes, they meet the Tooth Fairy, and Raven talks about how he's like creepy. And the reason they have to go meet the Tooth Fairy is because like they start selling all the everybody but Raven starts knocking out their own teeth and selling them for like big money. <laughs> So they, can, so they can be rich. That's so dumb. But, but without their teeth, they start to go like crazy. So she brings them to the tooth fairy and she's like, I want my friend's teeth back. He's like, but these are the Titan's teeth. They're priceless. He's like this blue guy. And he's like, oh, this is a, these are priceless. Da, 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 da. And okay. she's like, yes, yeah, super creepy. And she's like, oh God, you're such a creep. He's like, oh yes. Da, 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 da. And it's like really like, it's like almost courage the cowardly dog level of like disturbing. Like yeah. you get like a little, little weirded out. Well, what does he do with all? The, she's like, "What do you do with all these teeth?" He's like, "Well, eat them, of course." Da, 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 da. You watch him crunch down on these teeth, Ugh. and they have a teeth eating contest Stop. to win back the teeth. <laughs> and Raven actually finds out she enjoys eating teeth, and she wins back their teeth. This is a nightmare. Oh, it's a horrible. But that is definitely <laughs> my de- teaching kids. That is my D and D tooth fairy, like without a doubt. Like it this is, is this, a tooth it, eating like it's sprite. Not, except it's not like funny. It's like this like oh, little yeah. tiny like pixie sized sprite that comes around attempting to steal your teeth to eat like them. Like really sharp um, fangs and stuff yeah. like that. And after it gets a taste of your teeth, it wants the rest of your bones. Ugh. So it will begin to try to devour. It'll fly up through your tooth cavities and begin to devour your face from the inside <laughs> so out. So a December episode or a Halloween episode? I don't know. We're kind of crossing <laughs> over here. Um, so what, are their, what are their, what are their holiday Arbor musical Day. characters? Arbor Day. A treant. 
<laughs> I am Groot. And Groot. Um, Treebeard. <laughs> oh, man, that Avengers Infinity War trailer on my right. Yes. Damn, son. This isn't the podcast um, for that. but uh, Everything's the podcast for that. There's, there's no place where that's not appropriate. Um, but what else? What else? Uh, Are there any other let's see here. Um, you could do like President's Day, like some ghostly, the pres- the ghostly I mean, presidents. What are we going to do? George Washington as yeah. like, you know, level one cherry tree t- chopper? Nope, 20 foot tall, weighs a, weighs a ton. Kill uh, uh, <laughs> the sense that he's in, in a duel and he never said why. <laughs> I think I think we covered all of the uh, the major ones. The major, yeah, um, yeah. I, I don't know what other mythical. I mean, there's there's, there's all kinds. There's like I mean, we skipped lot. Halloween. Oh no, we did David. We did Halloween. There's there's historical, but is there really more mythical? Um, huh. I'm you trying know? to think. I'm trying to think of like you know. Santa Claus Three, where it had Revenge like, <laughs> of Santa, or like uh, well, I mean, we can think of other, we get the same holiday but different mythical characters. Like if you want to think, talk about like Frosty the Ice Golem, oh yeah, there's a lot for there's a lot for Christmas. Golem. Yeah, Heat Miser uh, and F- Chill Freeze Miser. I forgot what the other one was. I Mister Icicle, I Mister <laughs> Snow, but but I Mister. Something I'm Mr. Frostmiser. I said I'm, I'm Mr. Ten Below. I'm Mr. Ten Below. I just remember Arnold. Yeah, you know, <laughs> just tapping his foot with his little stogie in his ice palace. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, God. those are the days. Cheesy movies. Um, yeah, Christmas has a lot of like Rudolph. Rudolph, Rudolph. slept familiar. <laughs> More One, like a, wondrous figure. Wondrous figure. Ooh, Rudolph. All right, I like right? it. I like Summon it. Him. Sound like Bright that. nose leads the way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, there's a lot there. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of, like something else that's not like you know trying to go through the holidays. Cupid, we forgot Cupid. Oh damn, what? which is which is also kind of like which where do you go? Where do you go with it? You know, do you uh, go supernatural? <laughs> do you go? <laughs> so for me, Cupid is in D and D terms, Cupid is definitely a a halfling. A halfling, yeah, not really? a gnome. Is a halfling. You're not you're not considering it a like a like a, a demigod even. No, like, halfling trickster, trickster rogue. Ooh, trickster rogue. Halfling trickster rogue with a very special archery bow that with like can, a poison with like an aphrodisiac poison. It's magic. It's just yeah. magic. Oh, it's all magic. It's just it's a magical bow with magical arrows that can make people fall in love. And he has a magical item that allows him to um, sprout small wings and increases his fly speed. And he allows him to fly, mm. um, but otherwise he's he is a rogue. Mm. And I feel like when when two people are in love, they're so enamored with one another that he will then kind of pick the spoils of uh, their their distractions. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. I like it. That's what I would think. What about you for Cupid? <laughs> Cupid? Uh, I was thinking more of like you know more like along the lines of you know, actual mythology, making him like a demigod, like a, some kind of spawn of like Aphrodite. Um, Interesting. Who like you know uses his powers like it's all it's still magic. Yeah, but it's more like you know he 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 uses powers, but sometimes it doesn't like it's more malicious than it is. Uh, or like I think there was like a version of it where he's uh, constantly trying to kill people, but if they don't die from his arrow, they fall madly in love because they're <laughs> delusional. Well, no, I was thinking like he he finds people who are in love, and you know. Obviously hits him with the arrow. Yeah. Uh, but he also finds people who who are like uh, who shouldn't be in love, and he tries to kill him with his arrow. Interesting. Yeah, something like that. I think there was an iteration of something or other where that was the case. Yeah. Um, 
we went through a lot of holidays there. Yeah, we really did. Yeah. I was trying to think of one more. I was like, Dia, like Day of the Dead, Dias de los Muertos, you know, like, but... Eh. There's not really a central figure, though, is there? No, there's, there's not. There's not, like, the dead man. There's no dead man. No. Um, uh, I think I think, I think think we covered... Festivus for the rest of us? I, I, th- <laughs> I think Costanza? we... I think we... <laughs> I'm pretty sure we, 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 we covered our bases. I, th- I think we, we ran that well dry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unless we want to start getting into like made up things like, mm. you know, Hanukkah Harry or something. You mean the Hanukkah zombie? No. <laughs> Actually, there's this really cute book called Schmelf the Hanukkah Elf. <laughs> and it's like, it was, it's a, it's a really clever idea. It's about Santa Claus has this elf that ends up like reading. He, he actually looks at the list and he's like, there's a whole bunch of really good children on here that like aren't getting gifts. What's up with that? Uh-huh. And the head elf's like, you should go talk to Santa. And Santa's like, oh yeah, because they're Jewish. And he's like, well, what the heck, Santa? Like, why <laughs> don't they? Get, like, why don't they? He's like, he's like, well, their parents get them gifts. And he's like, you know, that's just the way it works for Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's like, but you know, why don't you go see for yourself? And Schmelf is like, discovers like the wonders of of Hanukkah. So Santa gives him a very special mission, and that mission is he becomes the Hanukkah elf. He like stops doing his duties for Christmas and instead like his new duty is to like whisper in the ears of the parents to let them know the toys that the children want and to make sure like the latkes are always crispy and that the dreidels always spin correctly and like like all the fun things and I was like hey like this is this is a great idea to make because I know that is really cute I know from personal experience it's it's tough you know I, I feel like they should do that for most religions like why don't we get a Santa Claus and it's like well guess what you get like a really special elf that Santa helped put in there. So that way, even though, like, whether or not, you know, maybe you're saying, uh, taking the religion out of it, you're just using Santa as a benevolent, yeah. omnipotent figure and in and of himself, it makes it so everybody can celebrate with Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Which okay. I think is nice. Unlike Dunkin' Donuts. What? Why? <laughs> so random. Recording no, it's no, fine. It's fine. It's fine. I'm even leave that in because that was hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> mic drop. Uh, I walked into a Dunkin' Donuts, and long story short, it was like there's I, I, there's a fine line there was between no Hanukkah and it was all Christmas. It's not, about, it's not about Hanukkah because that's exclusive to two religions. It's just that if I understand the holiday season is a spirit. It's like the spirit of the holiday season. Yes. You don't have to celebrate Hanukkah or Christmas to enjoy the festivities of the season. It's true. Snowflakes and, and colors and lights, and I get it, right? But the moment you start adding in, like, scenes of nativity and Santa and don't have any other representation is the moment I'm like, maybe you should talk to your HR people about this. And that just happens to be Dunkin' Donuts. That's in so Garwood. strange. Yeah. Given, like, I don't know. It's just, Given that it's 2017 and you think yeah. like, someone would have picked up on this. Even Starbucks is like not like. <laughs> yeah. No, I know. Yeah. Anyway. Anyways. That, that ends our. D- that ends our D&D uh, awesomeness. Tom, that's true. And uh, a- finally. <laughs> finally. Jake's been waiting for this because uh, he's wanted to tell me so much. So much. Jake we say save it for the cast. Yeah, <laughs> that, Jake's and I do that a lot. Actually, you know, if we're if we want to talk about something that involves magic, Dungeons and Dragons, or board games, um, we have to stockpile it and just like you know hold our breath when we're in front of each other and turn beet red, trying not to burst with all the things we want to talk about because we want you to hear our reactions live. So know that when we talk about these topics. 
for the most part, this is the first time we've ever talked about them together. You know, we've had individual opinions and we've, and we maybe just acknowledge that we have, we have like, you know, oh, did you see Iconic Masters? Oh, yes. Or did you, did you read this? Yes, I read Xanathar's Guide. But we never actually talk talk until now. So you get, you get that. Good yeah. for you. Good for you, audience. <laughs> it's a little treat for you. Yeah, a little, 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 little tickle. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, <laughs> you should edit that out. <laughs> no, that's, that's in. Uh, so, Everybody wants a little tickle. <laughs> so Pax Unplugged. <laughs> uh, Pax Unplugged in, uh, in, in the middle, smack dab in the middle of Philadelphia, in the Philadelphia Convention Center. The first time it's ever been, it's ever been. I went to the first Pax Unplugged. Hmm. Uh, I went with uh, Matt Munch. Um, also from Geek Aid. Also from Geek If Aid. that wasn't clear, yes, uh, he helped me out. I was the I was the interviewer. And also, YSMPG's number one fan. That's right. Thank you, Matt. <laughs> Shoutouts to Matt. Um, See, we do shoutouts. <laughs> um, you know, he helped me out a lot, and uh, we were able to get a lot of good coverage uh, for the site. We, you know, the the convention itself. Uh, I, I, You've never been to any other PAXs. However, uh, I will say it actually had a bit more of a uh, a New York Comic Con kind of feel because it was in like a very urban area. Mm-hmm. PAX East, which is in Boston, is like in the Boston Convention Center, but that's all the way like on the uh, by the harbor, like all the way on the the, you know, the far edge. Mm-hmm. So you don't really get that feel of like this is in the middle of Boston. This mm-hmm. was literally in the middle of Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, it, it was, you know, they took a very small part of it comparatively. I really hope it does expand next year. Um, so, you know, going in, uh, the, <clears throat> you had one big area, which was the expo hall. Sure. And that's where, you know, all the vendors were, uh, there were, uh, then next to the expo hall was the free play area. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then next to that was, uh, tournaments. Uh, and then also in a separate area, you had the RPG area. Mm-hmm. Uh, where people were running RPGs all weekend. Um, and you also had like a couple of the, the different stages where there were panels or like, you know, live games. Mm-hmm. Um, the, my, you know, going in, uh, the first thing I really noticed, you know, before I get into any of the stuff I saw. The neckbeards. Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> uh, it was actually a very diverse group of people, I would say. Some like different colored neckbeards. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you know, it was it was really nice because there was like different, you know, I would say like different age groups from like you know very you know people our age to people older, people younger, uh, you know, kids even. I saw you know you know um, all kinds of people. Yeah, I was really impressed by the the range of people I saw. It was really heartwarming in a way. And everyone's just there to enjoy games. Um, you know, going to something like New York Comic Con. Um, very packed. Obviously, this is you know this was the first time they ever had packs unplugged, so there wasn't like a ton of people. Not really say a ton of people, but it wasn't like you could barely move through the aisles. You know, mm-hmm. everyone was pretty spread out. It was very easy to navigate. So your hands weren't like knee deep in someone's asshole. Pretty much. Cool. Um, and then the- actually, it'd probably be smart if I said elbow deep. <laughs> huh. <laughs> yeah, no, the hands, knee. I don't know. Um, the uh, when you go to like a, a pack or something like that, uh, normal packs, mm-hmm. you're kind of like inundated by the lights and the sounds of like different booths where it's like something big, like, you know, you know, Star Wars Battlefront and you know, have like, you know, all the lights and like people like that. 
instead, like for this, it's really just the din, like the din of people talking to each other. Mm-hmm. That was the background noise of Pax Unplugged. It's because everyone's just your standard convention. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm trying to compare via different Paxes. Okay. Uh, it was definitely unique in that way. Um, so what about what about the games? What about the games? So uh, when I got, the, I'll go in kind of like the order I have them here. There's a couple I didn't write down because we did like the interviews with them. It's fine, but uh, you know, if I forget something, you know, I'm sorry. Uh, so I start off. Uh, I played a game of Starfinder. I played a little encounter of Starfinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starfinder, if you don't know, is the uh, made by Paizo, uh, the people who make Pathfinder. Uh, it's set in the essentially the same universe, kind of. But obviously, it's not set on Galarian, the planet of Pathfinder. It's set in the 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 system that Galarian was in, because in this in this setting, Galarian has gone missing, and in its place is something called Absalom Station. Um, and there's this whole thing. Uh, so in Starfinder, you don't have like your normal races, like you know humans, elves, so on and so forth. They do exist, but they're not like the main focus. Instead, they created their own, you know, their own re- races. You have like bug people you have like uh, a, a group of a race that's uh similar to like the githyanki and the githzerai you have one that's more focused on mental one's more focused on physical, physical. Mm-hmm. uh and you have like these these uh these kind of like klingon-esque uh lizard people as well bordis <laughs> uh so like you know and you watch the orville no i don't oh you, you would love it <laughs> i probably would you would listen i'm small segue i did not think I was going to love the Orville. I was afraid of like, don't get me wrong. Like back in the day, I was a huge Family Guy fan, but I have not watched Family Guy in forever, mainly because the the humor started to dry up on me. Yeah, I just got stale, and I got a little tired of of the the Seth MacFarlane humor. Um, and I've seen a couple other things that he's done, and been less like less than enthused. Um, so I, I went into Oroville not thinking much, but my parents kept telling me I would love it. They're like, you'd love it, you'd love it, you'd love it. Really? I gave it a shot. It's great. Mm. It's like a, it's like the Star Trek. It's like a Star Trek. I hear it's more Star Trek-y than Star, the new Star Trek That's show. I haven't seen Star Trek Discovery, but I've also heard that. And based on seeing just the Oroville, I could totally believe it. Because it's not all humor. And the humor itself isn't just like fart jokes and stuff. Like mm-hmm. it's actual, like there's good humor in it. Um, and it's not all humor. Like the episode is like, and it has an actual plot. Oh, that's good. And it has actual like dramatic tension at some points. Um, I just spliced with those little, little flecks of, uh, of, of humor. Course. And then of Quips, course, like in space. Anyway, they have a character that is like, you know, Seth MacFarlane is a huge Star Trek, specifically next generation fan, but huge Star Trek fan in, in, in general. And so you can see where some of like, you know, it's, it really is just Star Trek, but just with different <laughs> things. But like one of his one of his crew is a man named Bordis, who is essentially a Klingon. A, a Klingon. Like it, just in terms of like the way the makeup looks, the voice, like he just reminds you of Worf, except his race, whatever they are, um, are all male. Oh, and um, yeah, and a couple other interesting things that I don't want to give away. But, okay. Uh, anyway. Check it out. Yeah, I will. <laughs> so you played a round of, of, of Orville. I mean, it's, yes. Starfinder. Starfinder, yes. Yeah. Um, definitely, the I played a uh, the healer, the mystic class. Mm-hmm. Um, they're kind of like a healer type. 
Uh, I had a lot of healing abilities. That's why I say that. Sure. Um, the race I played were the the insect race, whose name I don't remember off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't speak uh, normally. They are there spe- humans at all? There are humans, yes. Okay. Of course. As a playable humans. race? Yes, as a playable race. Mm. Um, you know, they're the, the most ambitious of the races, the humans. Do you think it would be a good system for a Time Stories RPG? Um, maybe because time stories obviously, you know, branches off into different world, you know, times, mm-hmm. periods. Yeah. I would say really, you could just probably do like, you know, a version of D20 modern for that. Really. Yeah. Or even D&D. Like just. So do... what, what made Starfinder not that then? What made it um, interesting? I like the, the, a lot of the concepts they take. Um, obviously I only played an encounter. I've, I'm still reading the book itself. Uh, the core rule book. Um, and I do want to run a, a game of it eventually. Mm. Um, I, I love space. You know me. I'm mm-hmm. a big space guy. So I just know. being in space, having rules for like ship stuff. We didn't obviously do that because it's like a quick little thing. Uh, it is a lot of it's focused on, I would say there's a lot more ranged mm-hmm. than like in your usual like D&D-esque game. Sure. Um, because obviously we have blasters, you know. Uh, there's two, Set them to stun. There's two different ACs. There's energy AC and kinetic AC. Uh, energy AC deals with anything that has like energy, like fire, electric, so on and so forth. Mm. And kinetic is anything that does like physical piercing, slashing, yep. so on and so forth. Um, I thought that was a really interesting concept. There's three different health pools. Um, you have stamina, um, which is kind of like your uh, old damage takes out of stamina first. First. So, like, that's, like, your normal weariness. Like, you can be really weary. You have no more stamina left. Then you have HP, which is a a smaller pool. Your HP is, like, your body. Like, that's when, like, you get physically injured. That comes out of your HP, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, Or, like, you're, like, grievously injured. That's your HP. That's, like, something that you can't really, like, get rid of in a five-minute rest. You have to take, like, an extended rest to recover. Sure. And then you have resolve points. Resolve points only matter for specific class abilities. Um, and like dying, uh, you, you spend a resolve point to make a death saving throw, mm-hmm. um, and they recover very slowly. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, it's, that's interesting the way they kind of made that funnel that kind of like, uh, and I, I'd be curious to see how it plays out. Um, but beyond that, I like the concepts for the races. Mm-hmm. I like the, the, the bits they bring in there. The universe is pretty interesting mm-hmm. because obviously it's space. You know, and there's planets they have the the, the core worlds, the the what is it called, the uh, like it's like the allied worlds, um, and then you have obviously you can you can go beyond that. You know, you can make your own planet, sure, or your own alien species. You know, they have rules for all of it. Mass Effect, um, the RPG, pretty much. And I'm like, honestly, I, I wanted that. So having something that I can play off of, I I'm pretty interested to check that out. Neat. What's another game you played? I uh, played Bunny Kingdom. Bunny Kingdom? Bunny Kingdom. Like Kingdom of Bunnies? Correct. Okay. It is a game created by Richard Garfield. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, essentially, it's... Did you interview Rich? No, he wasn't there. Damn. Uh, that was a funny thing. Uh, I had to... Because uh, Matt, obviously, you know, he didn't know, but like I had to really point out the difference between the developer 
and the publisher. Right. Because the publisher obviously publishes the game as they're representing, you know, they're selling the game, demoing the game. Sure. But it's not the developer who created the game right. and gives you insight on the creation of the game. Mm. Uh, I, I wanted to talk to developers as much as I could. Sure. Uh, so I, you'll see in the interviews. Um, so so Bunny, Kingdom. Bunny Kingdom uh, is a drafting game. Um, you get essentially like a, a set of cards. Uh, you pick, As one does in a draft. You, you pick two, uh, and then you pass it to your left or right, depending on what round it is. It's played over three rounds. Yep. Uh, it's played over three rounds. Uh, each card can either be like a spot on the map, a uh, a bonus you can apply to a spot, um, or like a, a something you save for the end that gives you more bonus, more points at the end. Um very family friendly, no violence. Like there's no battle. Mm. There's no direct combat. Everything's just the, the only combat or interaction you have is the drafting. So like you you can like prevent someone from completing like a kingdom is uh, a resource. The way it's scored is each kingdom is scored based on the number of towers and the number of unique resources. Mm. So like wood, carrots, ore. Mm-hmm. Is are unique, but if you have two wood, it only counts as one. Okay, um, and you have towers, and you you only score based on ones you have bunnies on. Mm. So you want to draw, you want to draft the cards to complete your kingdoms, so you can get more, you know, more points. Sure. Um, so that's really the only like interaction you do, which I thought was really nice because it's very like it's not as intense as something, but it, it's intense in its own way because you're like. Oh, do I want to? I know he's building here, but I really need these cards for my kingdom. Do I want to keep this so I can prevent him from completing and so on and so forth? It was really fun, uh, really colorful. Uh, uh, I liked it a lot. I might be, I'll probably pick it up eventually. Cool. Um, but I, I didn't I'll get it. I love the plan time. review on the show. What was next? Uh, <laughs> Beneath Nexus. Hey! <laughs> Beneath Nexus is funny. If you guys watched our International Tabletop Day. Uh, stream. stream at Satellite Games, which is funny enough has now moved and become a part of New World, New World Manga. Yeah. So two of the stores that we partake have now combined into one store, I guess. I don't know if they're still separate names, though. It's weird. Um, anyway, if you watched our stream back uh, almost a year ago now... Yeah. Um, so back in April. Yeah, you would know that Beneath Nexus was one of the games that the game developer was there and demoing the game and we were really excited to get our hands on it but it, at that time it was not released yet and um it looked great it was like D the card game uh he was there and he did he was there again he did recognize me did he really yeah oh that's cool right and he was like hey you know and we came on we came on down yeah. uh we played um beneath nexus we tried you gotta understand after the stream ended we had tried so hard to play beneath nexus and he stuck around to try and play a game with us but unfortunately there was a lack of table space during the event because so many people were playing and and there was also book things happening and it was windy it was windy so we couldn't play outside so it was a shame that we didn't get to play back then but anyway yes so Um, we finally got the opportunity finally got the opportunity so uh beneath nexus is an asymmetric game um, you have one game, you have one like 
uh, boss monster who's played by someone, uh, or actually it plays itself. Eh, you play by someone, one game master, and a, a number of players, and it scales. So you can have like from two to like six or like more players. Sure. Um, each person is represented by a hero, uh, who represent like, you know, there's like a, uh, and the heroes range from like easy to use to complex to use. Um, I played the Barbarian, mm-hmm. uh, who was an easy... As, as you would. As I would, uh, who was a very easy class to use. Uh, Matt played as, I think, a a, a, a a psychic kind of... A mystic, mystic. That was a that was a class. Uh, and that was kind of more of a complex, because like, they, they interacted with uh, like cards and stuff, and there was a lot of back and forth there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the way it works is that it's separated into different encounters, each encounter is like a different room in this dungeon uh, beneath Nexus. Sure. Um, uh, the dungeon has, if you've played something like uh, uh, Legendary or uh, Sentinels of the Multiverse, it's very similar to that, where the, the stage has its own deck and it has its own abilities. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, the one we had was, like, a birthing pod. Uh, there was, like, two big monsters and then, like, monsters would keep spawning, and there was, like, additional rules beyond that. And then, obviously, sure. the the boss monster was there, and he had his own abilities to influence the encounter as well. Like, spawning more monsters or dealing damage to us or, like, stunning us. Mm. Uh, they, the, the boss monster has its own deck of cards uh, with, like, curses and stuff in them. Uh, and each player gets their own deck of cards, mm. which have like their abilities. They're specific to their character. Uh, the we only played one encounter, <clears throat> but the way it's supposed to go is it's encounter. Then you get treasure for that encounter, um, and you add to your deck. Uh, and health carries over per encounter. Mm. So sometimes you might want to slow down because you're low on health. You could take some turns to heal up so you're ready for the next encounter. Interesting. Uh, and it goes encounter, 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 I believe, like three encounters, three or four encounters, and then the boss. The boss card flips over, and he has a new set of abilities. He has health, um, and you try to defeat him. And there's like they have health counters similar to like Hero Realm, okay. where it's like, you know, those little, little cards. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so all in all, um, game you know it felt like it felt very much like an RPG, like a a, a, a you know a, a JRPG in a way because okay. it's like you know you're you're going from you know and fight to fight to fight and then you face the boss at the end. Sure. Uh, and I thought it was really fun to play, and I liked that it scaled like really well. So like I, I like that it, it supports a larger play group because you know very often some games we have a larger play group. we have a larger play group and sometimes games just don't go beyond four or five yeah we kind of have to force um, fit it uh, and it's expandable there's room for they have already they're already working on more heroes more monsters more items and if you try to buy beneath Nexus uh, online just realize that um, if their website says pre order it is not a pre order you can you can buy the core set now. Mm-hmm. Um, Next game I played was Emergence. Emergence is interesting. It is a hidden roles game. Uh, you play as AI and humans. Interesting. Uh, everyone is supposed to be an AI, but some people are humans. Hmm. Uh, the way it works is uh, we all start in different parts of the board, and we have to collect different colored cubes. There's four different colors. Uh, two are represented by blue. There's blue and white. And two are represented by green. It's green and orange. Mm. Um, depending on how many cubes you have, when you cash in those cubes, you get 
like victory points that you can spend. Uh, there's two kinds of ways. The, and then you have certain, you can only do one action on each round. Everyone sure. takes their, their piece and they put down their action simultaneously. So people don't know. People similar can't plan. to the vote in Avalon. Yeah. Similar, people can't play off mm-hmm. of other people. Right. You must make your own decisions. Exactly. Um, but that comes into play when you try to do the next thing because people can hack. People have a bunch of like attack uh, actions, like hacking, uh, killing, or uh, vaporizing. Um, you know, hacking lets you see someone else's card to see what they are. Um, uh, killing lets you take some of their victory points. And vaporizing lets you take the cubes they have and their victory points. Mm. Um and uh, once someone scores, uh, so once you have victory points, then you have to turn in your victory points. Mm. Uh, and that's on another part of the map. So you have to navigate there. So people see you have a whole bunch. And if they have they some might come own, after you. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, because they don't know if you're human or AI. So if you're AI, they want to let you through. But if you're human, they don't. Because when you score, when one person scores, everyone scores. So you take a box that has human and AI on it. You put it underneath the table. You take your victory points. You put it underneath the table. You put however many you want in whichever part. Uh, you have to at least put one. Uh, and then in you, both parts? Uh, no, just in a part. Okay. Um, and then you, you keep your victory points hidden so people don't know how many you spent. You pass the box to the next person. Uh, they put some cubes. That's really in, interesting, actually. They put some cubes in the box so you can't like shake it to know how many there are. Right. Uh, so that kind of throws people off. And it keeps going. Humans have to get fewer uh, victory points than AI. AI have to get like 40. Humans have to get like 10. Um, the AI won because I made a very... Uh, I made Poor a very... Decision? No. I made a very calculated kill. Oh. And I got a lot of cubes and a lot of points. And I was able you to... You were an AI? Yeah, I was an AI. Okay. Uh, another thing the AI have to watch out for, if there are no cubes on the board, the humans win. So AI have to sometimes take turns replenishing cubes on the board. Okay. Yeah. Uh, really fun. Uh, it's called Emergence. Uh, I'll try to put a link for it in the show notes. Just try to pick that one up. I want to play that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love roll discovery games. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, then there's another game I have to tell you about. I didn't play it there. We'll put it. We'll tell it later. Uh, another time. Um, and then I played a, uh, I played a game called Shiba Inu House. Uh, Shiba Inu House is a very cute game, very quick, easy game. It's a... Bark, bark. It is a uh, picture matching game. Mm. So you you there's three different difficulties, uh, one, two, and three. One you have to make one. Uh, so you have a whole deck of you have a hand of cards, and these are all the cards. Everyone has the same cards. Now each card has um, three different shapes on it. Yeah, uh, one side, one side, and a roof. Um, so you have to make a house with those three with three parts. So you have to put like three different cards together and make one house. Usually, uh, level one is one house. Level two is two houses. Level three is three houses. Three houses will use all your cards. Um, the way it works is uh, you see it. Once you see it, you start building. First person to build it takes the first place prize. Second person takes the second place, and there it scales out to a number of players. Um, and everyone takes their like points, and it gives them. Get some points. Whoever's the most points after like three rounds wins. Interesting. Very quick, easy. Uh, it's one of those games like you know you you take it with you. You can play it whenever. Um, like uh, Seven Wonders Duel. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, even simpler than that. Huh. Um, uh, it was really cute. Uh, the art's really adorable. Whole bunch of Shiba Inus. Um, I love Shiba Inus. Oh my god. <laughs> 
they're super cute. There's a time when Jangus didn't love dogs. It's true. Just saying. <laughs> um, that that was the games I demoed. Uh, I I talked to a whole bunch of other people. Uh, I just want to do a quick rundown. Um, I talked to the people who made Hero Realms. Yeah. Um, I talked to them about their new game, Sorcerer. Mm-hmm. Sorcerer is a really interesting game. Sorcerers, you play- are these all in the interviews? Uh, they're in the interviews. You should save the the content of what they are. Just say who they. Okay. Uh, talk to them about Sorcerer. Sorcerer's really cool. Check out the interview. I also talked to them about the new Hero Realms raid that should be out oh, now. Oh, I can't wait to play that. Yes. I did pick that up, so we'll be playing that and reviewing it soon, hopefully. Yeah. Maybe in the next episode. Maybe it's we really have, exciting. We have a couple games in the backlog, so who knows? Yeah. Um, I, I, Every week off in December. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good to know. Um, I'm actually working that week. Um, but anyways. Take one day off. Yeah. Uh, so also I had, I play, I talked to, um, I talked to John Wick. Um, John Wick is the creator of Seventh Sea, which is Keanu Reeves. Uh, he, he, he actually contributes to white, a lot of white wolf games. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he made Seventh Sea. Seventh Sea is his baby. Um, Seventh Sea is a swashbuckling pirate RPG. Um, with uh, a very reminiscent of Pirates of the Caribbean. Sure. Um, really cool. Check out that interview. He's a really enthusiastic guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I talked to, um, now I don't know the exact name. Oh, no. They're called ODAM Publishing, and they made a game called Of Dreams and Magic. Interesting. Um, O-D-A-M. Uh, uh, of Dreams and Magic is another RPG system. The premise of the RPG system is that uh, you are a person who has discovered that dreams are real and magic is real and dreams influence magic. Um, you you assume your dream avatar in the real world and you use that to defeat monsters. Next level Sandman stuff. Yes. Um, it was a really interesting concept. Uh, the he gave me he gave me also a backstory on uh, on his. Uh, on how they came up with that one too. That's really cool. Actually, um, they they actually have a board game based on the RPG. Ooh, um, we should play that. Which is I thought was pretty cool too. Uh, I'm trying to think of anything. Um, who else did I talk to? Anybody from Wizards of the Coast? Uh, I didn't talk to anyone. Well, I didn't interview anyone from Wizards of the Coast, but I did talk to. I did meet the associate. Uh, I think the associate brand manager. Uh, she told me. A oh little, yeah, do you remember her name? Great. Uh, so if you're listening, there you go. <laughs> like I said, I'm horrible with names, but I do have the card. I did follow her on Twitter. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, but they we talked about a little bit about the new uh, uh, Betrayal Legacy game that they announced at PAX Unplugged, um, which uh, I thought was a really interesting concept. I'll just, you know briefly about it um it's cool because it's essentially betrayal same thing haunts exploring a mansion um but every you know like in the legacy games when the game's over you take what you got from that and it carries on to the next generation yeah that is cool. um so like you could take like an heirloom like this is this is grandpappy smith's beaten stick he used it to kill a vampire i love the beaten <laughs> stick vampire killer and uh you know you you, you could kind of like make like your own like legend of your family throughout the course of the legacy game which i thought was cool that is cool uh, beyond that, uh, there are a couple more, I think, interviews that I did. Um, 
some really interesting people I talked to. So make sure to check them out. Hopefully they came out well. Uh, I was a little bit nervous because it was my my second time really interviewing people. First time really being like you know in a, the in a super tabletop thing. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. But it was my first time really being in like a, a really professional setting. Uh, not any offense to International Tabletop Day, but it was like you know I had, was, to, I had to actually like schedule interviews and like you know you have know, questions <laughs> ready. And, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really fun. Uh, like I said, those videos should be out shortly. Uh, and that should do it for a cast. Yeah, great. <laughs> um, you should definitely, David should definitely come to PAX Unplugged next year. Barring I any, want to so bad. <laughs> barring so any bad. further children. Barring, yeah, let's not. Let's not. Um, but I would love to come, dude. PAX sounds like it was awesome. I kept up to date looking at your Facebook feed. Um, it sounds like you had a blast, and I, I'm sure I would have had a blast if I went with you. Mm. Um, and then we would have had another slew of games we could have reviewed I know. Um, together. Um, but i got to say, from what you've told me, there's a lot of those games I hope we can both pick up. I actually, I'm asking for Beneath Nexus for uh, for the holiday season. Oh, there you go. So that's at least one maybe that you know we can play fairly soon. For sure. Um, so thank you for listening. Thank you. Um, and happy holidays. Yes. Yeah, have a good one. Uh, merry whatever you will be celebrating. Yes, merry holidays. <laughs> If you liked this episode of You Shall Not Pass Go, please subscribe. Our episodes are monthly, and you can find this and many more podcasts on geekade.com. If you'd like to share your opinions about the topics of the episode, or you just want to say hi, email us at ysmpgcast at gmail.com.